Welcome to Modern Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service, brought to you from our beautiful historic sanctuary in downtown Tyler. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor. We appreciate your participation in this morning's broadcast and pray that God's message will speak to you in a beautiful way. Let's join in as the message has already begun. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And as you're seated, let us turn to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, we, your sons and daughters, gather in your house. Lord, we gather here and we recognize your presence. We desire more of you to be closer to you. In this time, Lord, Lord, we pray that you would speak clearly to us. Invite your Holy Spirit into this place to move freely. Touch us. Meet us right where we are as we continue in your word. Lord, we pray that we would receive a renewed and refreshed word from you, that it would move us to respond in this journey. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. So this morning, we're kicking off a new sermon series entitled, The Lord is My Shepherd. And over the next several weeks, we will be diving deep into the 23rd Psalm. And as we dive deep into this Psalm, I began to realize it's one of the most famous, and it might actually be the most famous chapter of the entire Bible. And I want to encourage us as we dive deep over the next several weeks to do so with caution. See, any time that, that you and I look at something we've seen a million times and we've heard at least that many times, you realize what the danger is with that, right? We think, I know this. I've got this. And we sort of mentally check out. And so I want to invite us not to tune out in the weeks to come. And here's why. Because I think that as we look at Psalm 23, we think we know it, but yet the evidence of our lives would suggest otherwise. If you look at how we actually live, the only conclusion that I can come to is that we have no idea what Psalm 23 is talking about. And as we begin this morning, I'm, I'm drawn to Psalm 95, which invites us to come. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under his care. So the question becomes, God himself, who is he? 
the question to which leads to all other questions, the question that I believe God has placed into our hearts, and if he has placed it into our hearts, there must be an answer in his heart waiting to be revealed. As David begins in Psalm 23, he provides comforting and powerful answer. The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh, my shepherd, is the words that David actually penned that very first time, using the name that God gave himself. Now see, shepherd is a modest metaphor, and yet it's packed with deep and rich meaning. Part of the comparison of the picture that is painted for us, a shepherd and his sheep, and the other is David and his experience and ours. David paints a picture and he paints each and every one of us into the picture that he provides. And this is the beauty of Psalm 23. It belongs to us. We can use David's words as our own words. David speaks from experience when he uses the metaphor of shepherd and sheep. David himself was a shepherd in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He spent much of his youth tending a few sheep in the desert. David watching the sheep continues and comes to the understanding that God is like a shepherd. He thought about the continual care that the sheep require their helplessness, their defenselessness. He recalled their foolish straying, their constant need for a guide. He thought about the time and the patience it took for them to trust him before they would follow him. He remembered the times when he had led them through danger and they huddled close to him. He considered the fact that he must think for his sheep, that he must fight for them, that he must guard them, that he must find them pasture. And yet, not one of them, not one sheep was aware of how well it was watched over. David understood that God is much like the good shepherd. As I read this verse and, and studied this week, I came across the Living Bible paraphrase, and I so loved the way this translation states this. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. See, church, when Christ is your shepherd, you don't have to wander after your wants because he gives you everything that you truly need, the things that satisfy your soul. Now, sheep think that they know what they need, but they don't know what they need. What they want is not really what it, they need. What they want is to stay in the same patch of grass. The herd wants to stay right there and they don't want to move along. They want to stay right where they are, but that's not what they need. Because if they stay in the exact place that they are, where they're comfortable, where they're used to being, they would die because they would destroy their own food source. 
So what they need is a shepherd to push them out of their comfort zone, out of the familiar patch of pasture. Does it feel familiar yet, church? Does it sound like something we're familiar with? For me, I know it feels very familiar because there have been many times in my life to which I have really and truly prayed for God to open a certain door. Saying things like, God, that's what I need. If you'll give me this, if you'll open this door, if you'll give me this opportunity, God, if you'll just do this, I know that's what I need. And God shuts the door in my face. And then years later, I look back on that moment and I go, God, thank you. Thank you that you did not allow me to walk through that door. My good shepherd, Yahweh, my shepherd. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 15, Jesus explains to us the shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now listen to this part of what he says. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons his sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks, attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is the good shepherd of the sheep. He is one with the Father and he saw us as sheep without a shepherd. He came to seek that which was, he came seeking to save that which was lost. He's the one who left the 99 on the hill and he went to look for the one sheep that had wandered away. And in that moment, as he went to seek the one sheep that had wandered away, he forever established the value of one person. The Father's desire that not one person, church, do we get that? Not one person should be lost. Left to ourselves, we would be nothing more than restlessness driven by the realization that there is something more to know and there is something more to love. And thankfully, God will not leave us to ourselves. He makes us to lie down and green pastures, verse 2 says to us. He leads us by quiet waters. Those verbs, makes and leads, suggest gentle encouragement. A shepherd patiently and persistently encouraging his sheep to the place where their hungers and thirsts will be satisfied. See, experienced shepherds, they knew the terrain and they urged their flocks towards similar uh, familiar grasslands and streams where they could find food, 
where they could lie down and rest. But what are those green pastures and quiet waters to which he leads us? What is the reality behind the metaphors that we're given? Jeremiah chapter 50 makes it clear to us that God himself is our true pasture and our quiet waters. He is our true nourishment. He is our living water. If we don't take him in, we will starve. But how do we graze on God? How do we drink him in? As David says in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My thirst, my soul thirsts for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? And the answer to that question, church, is we don't have to look very far or very hard or very long for God because he's only as far away as our hearts but he will not intrude on us. He calls us and he waits for our answer, our moment and our movement toward him. Our growth as believers is determined by our desire. Church, it's determined by our desire to encounter him in a personal way, to truly know him, to know him intimately. Not only does God promise us provision, but if you and I make Christ our shepherd in our life, he restores us. Verse three of this morning's text says, he refreshes my soul. God knows that we need to be refreshed. He knows that we need to be restored. I want you to think for just a moment what percentage of American workers do you think show up every day, not some days, but every day for work, tired? I came across a study the other day that was taken back in 2020 that said three quarters, nearly 75% of us get to work in the morning exhausted, we walk into the office, we walk into our day thinking, man, I need a nap. Mm. Some of our exhaustion is physical. We simply don't rest enough. And David says to that, that's why my good shepherd, that's why my God makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, if I encouraged you to go home this afternoon after church, and to take a nap. Some of, some of you would jump on that wagon and be excited. And others of you would look at me and say, I just can't. I have too much to do. And yet the reality is we just don't know how to relax. What if I said to you that you need to go home and tonight you need to be in bed by 10 o'clock? Some of you would look at me and say, that's too late. And others of you would look at me and say, that is way too early that you couldn't possibly go to sleep at 10 o'clock. Or what if I said next week, I want you to find one day and on that day, I want you to take the entire day and accomplish nothing. 
no work projects, no house projects. I want you just to hang out. Many of you would laugh. Many of you would look at me and say, you just don't get it. You don't realize how busy, right, your schedule is. And yet, church, I believe that we modern Christians don't focus enough on the Sabbath. It's only one of the Ten Commandments that we're not sure what to do with, right? But it's fascinating to think about that on the same list with don't murder, don't steal, don't cheat, God says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. There's a reason it made the list. There's something that God has really been trying to push on me lately. This idea of taking one day a week and accomplishing absolutely nothing, stopping and allowing him to restore my soul. And so I'm working and moving toward this. And here's what a typical Sabbath day looks like for me. Extra time spent unhurried in the word and in prayer. Watching a movie, reading a book, getting together with friends, taking a long walk, going kayaking, eating some really great food. And this part's really important. Staying off of social media. Actually sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And it truly is. It takes some planning and it takes some intentionality, but it is so worth it. It's soul restoring. Some of our exhaustion, it is physical, but some of it is emotional and spiritual. Author John Eldridge in his book, Get Your Life Back, talks about the one minute pause, but he also talks about benevolent detachment. He says to make room for God to fill the vessels of our souls, we have to begin moving out some of the unnecessary clutter that continually accumulates there, like the junk drawer in your kitchen. You know the drawer that I'm talking about. It's kind of the, the black hole where the keys go, the pens and the paper clips and all the small things that accumulate over time. Aldridge says that over time I have found no better practice to help clear out the clutter of my soul than the practice of benevolent detachment, the ability to let it go, walk away, not so much physically, but emotionally and soulfully. Jesus invites us into this way of living where we are genuinely comfortable with turning things over to him, releasing them, leaving space for the spirit to move and work. And that doesn't mean lying it down for him and then not seeing the, what we want to happen in the next 30 minutes and going back and picking it up. Or maybe I'm the only one who's guilty of that. It's genuinely turning things over. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That text feels familiar. It's words that we've heard, and often we throw those words to one another in those times when we're stressed and things are going on. 
But I truly love that the message translation of this same text. It says, are you tired, worn out, burn out on religion, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch what I do. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Now hear this, he says, keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. These are not just suggestions. The Bible is not a book of suggestions. You and I have got to the place, have to get to the place that we release the world. We've got to release people and crisis and trauma, all of it. There has to be a point in time in our day when we just let it all go. The tragedy of the world, the heartbreak the latest shooting, earthquake, fire. The soul is never meant to endure these things. It's way too much. Our souls are finite. You cannot carry this, the sorrows of the world. Only God can do that. Somewhere, at some time in your day, you've got to just release it. You've got to let it go. Unfortunately, many, if not most of us, go through the days of our lives feeling depleted and depressed, overwhelmed and overburdened. To get the restoration, we have to go to the source. David says, he restores my soul. He restores his soul as he lies down in green pastures, as he leads him by the still waters. We have to go to the source. We have to get to the point where it's not just Jesus plus, it's Jesus, period. And we have to let that relationship, his words guide us through our lives to charge our batteries, to restore us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Amen.
Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning worship services at 8.30, 11 on our campus in downtown Tyler, Texas. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and ways that you can partner with us to make a difference for God's kingdom here in Tyler and around the world. May God bless you and may you have a great day.